Hello and welcome to another episode of HR Nightmares. I'm Lisa Leith and I'm here with Amy Conway and Beth Looney. And we have a really special guest joining us from Marsh McLennan Agency, Kate Vallette. Yes, that's correct. So I'm gonna let her introduce herself a little bit more, but we're really happy to have you here. Thank you for coming the whole way from Virginia to sit with us in the studio today. Um, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, things look a little different. Um, we're super excited. We're gonna be in a new studio soon, get a, get a really cool setup, a new modern setup. So we're in transition right now. Um, but this is the more intimate sort of like yeah. talk show situation we've got going on like right it. now. It's comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> We need like the roots and some band in the back. Yeah. yeah. That actually would be awesome. Why didn't we do that? We need to do that next time. Oh, next time we'll do that. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're happy to have you. Usually what we do is we've got a ton of questions for you. and We want to hear about your journey on how you got to where you are um, today and then some of the cool new tools that you're introducing at Marsh McLennan Agency. But also um, we get some audience write-ins and sometimes that's the most fun is you get to pretend you're an HR person uh, for the next 40 minutes as we get through some of those audience write-ins. And um, what we're here to do is just provide realistic advice with a little bit of humor. For those of you that are listening, we want to thanks for tuning in. Make sure you hit subscribe on the YouTube channel um, and tell your friends to listen wherever they listen to their podcasts. Um, well, let's kick it off. I'm going to turn it over to you, and I'd love to hear a little bit about your background as a registered nurse. You, right. You're a Southerner now that came from right. Syracuse. You graduated from Syracuse. You're from yeah. up north, but yep. um, how'd you end up at MMA? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, my, my mother describes it as a family circus type of career path, but I spent about 20 years as a bedside nurse clinical, and uh, the majority of that was as a uh, critical care nurse. Most of that was as a uh, ER nurse in a level one trauma center, and I loved it, loved every part of it, uh, and really was, at, during that whole process, always grabbing as much data as possible. And data was just what was fueling a lot of the actions that we did, which is interesting because that's exactly where I am now. Uh, so I decided to hop the fence. We moved from New York down to uh, Northern Virginia, and I spent about a couple of years working as a case manager, a nurse case manager, with a small mom and pop organization, working with folks who were injured on the job. And that somehow opened up some doors for me in a corporate setting where I spent seven years working under a total rewards umbrella and uh, absolutely loved it. We were a team of nurses and non-clinical team members who basically were the first folks uh, for contact for our employees. So anybody who is going through a medical event or having some type of difficulties managing their work-life balance would basically be sheltered over to us so that we can provide support. And it was a growing company through several mergers and acquisitions. We ended up going to about 40,000. So as you can imagine, we had a lot of information. We really learned a lot about how people behaved towards their health and what actions they took or sometimes didn't take that may have led to certain situations that really they were challenged in the workforce. So I, I loved doing that. It was a great experience. It was my first experience learning about consultants, which is what I'm doing today. And that's where I've spent the last several years where I've been working as a clinical consultant and helping clients, employers, who are really trying to, number one, understand their clients or their population's data, 
and what it's telling us, and then what do we do about it? And how do we, how do we mitigate some of that risk that's out there and, of course, control expenses while making sure that people are at their healthiest? So really enjoy doing that. The model that we have at Marshall McLennan Agency is absolutely a wonderful, wonderful model. Certainly for me as a nurse, it fits exactly what I'm looking for as far as delivering the services that I can deliver to our clients. So. Um, so what I was excited about was all the stories that you must have um, when I think about just like leave management and oh, yeah. people there's missing so work. There. Um, <laughs> there's just, uh, God, I was coming up with some uh, stories of my own from back in my manufacturing days. But like, um, tell, us a, tell us a success story on how your team of Total Rewards nurses and non-clinical people like dealt with a crazy leave management situation. Does anything kind of come to mind? Oh my gosh, there are so many, of course. But, you know, I think that uh, we used to see an awful lot of folks who were, I think, really not understanding what the resources are. And of course, now sitting on the other side of the table, this is a common conversation that we're having is that people don't know that we have all these great benefits or point solutions in place to help them manage some of these issues. And I think that I had this one incredible, uh, very enlightening, uh, introduction to a uh, employee who essentially we got a phone call late uh, on a weekend and they had to do a medical evacuation for this employee and uh, get him back to the states and uh, he had um, they didn't even know what was going on he was unconscious they had no idea what the health conditions were he was like on vacation uh, it, it was not he was actually working he, oh, okay. he went over to do some mm -hmm. contract work and um, so of course you know here we're trying to manage that whole let's get the person back where they belong so that they can get the medical care that they need and uh, you know a couple of weeks go by and I'm talking with the staff at the hospital and we finally connect and understand who this employee is never heard of the employee at all it wasn't somebody we had been working with so as time went by and we finally start talking with him on the phone and I'm essentially working with him to help him understand what his disability benefit was going to be, how that was going to show up in his paycheck, et cetera. Um, what options, it then led to what options do you have as you start to recover? What had happened was he had really avoided having any type of preventive care. He was in his early 30s, he was not old, but he was a diabetic and did not realize it and had ignored all the symptoms of having diabetes. So as I was starting to work with this individual, uh, he it was like, I, I didn't even know. I kind of pushed it off. Looking back, it all makes sense. But his blood sugar was so high that he doesn't even remember essentially falling through the ER doors of the hospital where he went into. I had no recollection. So I worked with him for a year and that person was on disability, then going back. Uh, he was lonely. He didn't have connections. He felt very much uh, outside of sorts with his own team because a lot of the team wasn't centralized. So he didn't have that connectivity that is really, quite frankly, essential. Personal life also had his own struggle, so there was some mental health issues there as well. And he essentially worked a year 
ended up losing almost 100 pounds uh, through our well-being program that we had in place and was incredibly successful, an extremely productive member because what happened is we started to make connections. We started to say, do you realize that we have employee resource groups in place? You might be a great fit for this. Get connected and start to feel that you do have this family that you that you work with and people are here for you. And that particular event um, really led to the success of him being having a very long-term service after a while. That's great. I'm curious like how common it is to have actual experienced nurses and healthcare mm -hmm. practitioners transition into roles like these. I mean, I don't really, uh, this is the first kind of thing I've heard about really, that there would be someone on this side of it from a workforce planning. I'm so used to people going through disability, you know, third party, call here, call them at life.com, you know, all right. these different things, but I'm not used to it, them getting someone on the other side that actually understands from the medical side of it. Yeah, and I think that that's I think that's number one. That's a struggle working with carriers is that you know, they're not always necessarily working with a nurse case manager. Right. They're usually touching base, whether it's disability or workers' compensation. They're usually touching base with a, an adjuster, and then the adjuster would if if it's a little bit more complex, that adjuster is going to then loop in the nurse case manager within that particular carrier. And then they might have touch points with that person. And we operated very differently. It was uh, all in-house short-term disability. So we managed that ourselves. It is unique. Okay. It was unique. Yeah. It was something that quite frankly uh, was a differentiator for the company because they really wanted to put out how high touch they wanted to be with their employees. That they developed this was extremely confidential. It was a place for their employees to go where they can go through their medical issues and have somebody there to connect but not really be in jeopardy from as far as a business standpoint goes um, where they were free to discuss what was going on. They were just diagnosed with cancer. They knew that they had radiation, chemo coming up, maybe some surgery. What do they do? And we talked with those folks from the first point of contact with, here's what to expect with surgery. Do you need to ask your doctor certain questions? This is what we would recommend. If you're going out for surgery, think about basic uh, durable medical equipment that you're going to need uh, when you recover. Who's going to be there when you recover? So it was a, a great service. I think we really saw that we were able to help folks get back to work because we were already talking about returning to work before they even left on disability. So we were already making those plans for them to get back into that work process and flow. Yeah, which is such a key because we know yeah. that the quicker employees return to work, especially right. after a workplace injury or something, it's like get them back in here, right. even if they're doing a very different job or something that we wouldn't even need to have done. But Special it's important for them to be back in the environment and the culture. Yeah, I mean, it's just a known factor that people heal faster when they're around support and they get back into their routines. Yeah. Absolutely. How do you deal with, it's It's interesting, a lot of the clients that I work with are smaller businesses, right? Yeah. And so there's the confidentiality. You said that mm -hmm. that business was a 40,000 person. Large, yes. Right? So you could kind of find your way to be anonymous with that. Mm -hmm. well, did you ever have any pushback with that, especially maybe on the preventative care side? Yeah, you know, that that's a great question because I think that there is, with folks who weren't used to us being in that 
having that type of service, you know, mm -hmm. coming to us from a different company maybe. Um, there was a level of trust we had to build up with them. And, and we worked with them and we understood that. And I think, you know, certainly as a nurse and in my role and all nursing roles, we basically understand that we're walking into a patient's room with somebody who's very vulnerable. They really don't know. So every single time you enter a new patient's room, you have to establish that trust, right? So we're very comfortable in those positions to be able to have the conversations, let people know that here are the resources, we're here, um, but we did find that it, it kind of went viral in a sense, that people would say, oh my gosh, you're going through this, you need to go and talk with this team. That's mm -hmm. where that's when it yes. becomes really successful, when yes. people are advocates because they've gone through it. That's right, that's right, and they're like, you can trust them, and that word, we're really spread and we used to say we we're a very small but mighty team right mm -hmm. because we were able to function in the capacity that was going to essentially bring these folks and connect them bring them to the core of the business so we had a plant nurse at all the different like corning locations that i was at and it was awesome because not only would they be able to help handle leave and get people back on like um a return to work program with you know desk work or whatever if they were a production employees um, but they would also do like flu shots and all kinds of preventative care but we had a thousand plus employees at like one of the plants it's actually a lot um, more affordable for some of these mid-sized companies to bring clinical like licensed clinical folks and make them accessible to employees than you would think. So for instance, right now I work in a mid-sized company, but like we're doing an anonymous sign up uh, for employees. We're gonna pay for their co-pays, pay for their HSA, uh, whatever HSA would charge them on their high deductible plan. The company's Vanica is gonna take care of paying for that. We're gonna do pilot program with 10 folks and people can anonymously sign up for these like therapy sessions. And, um, and I think it's going to be a big hit. Like all the employees that I mentioned, hey, we might do this. They were like, I would sign up for that today. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're going to do 30 slots, 30 sessions, make them available and pay for all the co-pays. But like that is cheap. Um, like mental health, mental therapy. health a therapy. Yeah. But you could do it with like find, um, find a primary care like network in the community where you live. And I bet you they'd be willing to hook something up like, hey, two or three days a week, if you have people coming into the office, we'll send a provider out there for half the day and you just owe us whatever, a couple thousand bucks or something. But if you think about, I, I thought back on all the employees that we've allowed to take leave for something personal related or mental health related in the last two and a half years I've been working with Vanica. It's, it's more than a handful of people out for more than a handful of weeks. Um, and so, God, the, that, the couple of thousand bucks you spend on 30 mental health therapy sessions for people, I mean, you, you, you're prevent, if you can prevent one person from being away from work for a couple of weeks, it's like, the well, return is great. I think, so. I think also there's, maybe because I'm older, haha. -ha, but <laughs> back in the day, I think when I started working, it was a stigma around mental health, right? Yes. And so you would never, good Lord, tell your boss that you might need some mental health help. But I think as the, as the workplace is changing, Younger people are just more open about it. Oh, and I think that that can be so positive. Yeah, and we can, and you can also hook, like we're hooking it up so that we send the link out to our employees and then they anonymously sign up through the therapy group. I love that. So, right. I don't even know. I, I think just it's get about, the bell. Well, it's about providing the access. And we've yeah, talked right. about that on some of even our mental health focused. I mean, 
it's hard to find someone good that you can actually get an appointment with. Get an appointment with, <laughs> afford to under pay a few for. Months. Yes, yeah. A few yeah, months. and so it's Absolutely. kind of more like a lot more people probably would take advantage of the things that are offered in EAP and the f five visits they get that are paid for maybe on their healthcare plan, but going and actually finding someone it. that's good that you can actually have a vulnerable conversation with and feel comfortable with that's really challenging too it's not just about having the you know okay my benefits pay for five sessions right it's the now i have to make phone calls now i have to google now i have to wait two months before someone's available yeah, then sure. but when it's right there in front of you and you're making it so yeah. accessible and yeah it is going to lead back to higher productivity higher performance better culture happier people better I mean, engagement because you yeah. know that your yeah. employer cares about you it's that connectivity yeah, again they care about you and they want you to to thrive. I'll yeah. tell you, not you, just, sorry you're going yeah. through this really hard, hard time. Right, right. Where's the report? Well, also the diabetes thing. I mean, that reminded me, and so many people have diabetes. I mean, it's is it a pandemic, an epidemic? What is it? It's like, I mean, half the population, well, I feel like. I, right, right. And look at obesity, right? And that's that's the U.S. population. US, and with yeah. obesity, that's you typically have diabetes as, a, as one of those progressive issues. So you have obesity will bring on hypertension, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and that's a progressive vascular condition which leads to diabetes, coronary artery disease, and then it trickles down where eventually if people either are very complex to manage or they don't manage it, it can lead to your end-stage renal disease. So that whole tube, if you think of it, of the progressive timeline of those disease processes are very complicated. And all of them, at any point in time, any chronic condition, you will always have a mental health component to it. And it's interesting that here we are as folks in HR talking about how to address you know, the stigma and all of these solutions that might be able to benefit these folks uh, from a healthcare perspective, from nursing student 101, we were always trained anytime you have any patient, no matter what their issue, there's a mental health component that we had to address. So nurses are very used to it. And it, it's something that certainly the nurse in the clinic is going to be used to that as well and, and being able to connect those folks with the best resources. It's fantastic that you're doing that. Well, so I loved having somebody like you around um, when, especially when you've got um, a lot of employees and we would have accidents inevitably in manufacturing. And so the one time there was an accident and um, the guy smelled like alcohol. And so the supervisor, um, I'm glad, you know, he he was following sort of our reasonable suspicion checklist or whatever. And he was like, I think this guy is drunk. And as part of the process, we would call the nurse mm -hmm. and she was like, no, don't accuse him of that. Like, we'll do all the tests and and I'll, I'll be in, you know, it's 2 a.m. I'll be in. Um, but don't accuse him. What if he has diabetes? And his breath smelled like really sweet and turns out he That's had diabetes and he didn't know. It. Yeah. And, and, and but if she wasn't health. on our team. Yeah. Of, That's right. And that's why even if you can't afford or you don't have enough employees to like bring a registered nurse on staff, having a trusted clinical advisor in your community and that, that established relationship already when you're in a sticky situation like that, like you should have somebody clinical that you can call and say, hey, like walk me through, uh, I, I'm going to walk you through what we've noticed, physical symptoms, behavioral symptoms, deviating from the norm. But um, 
that was really, really helpful, and the guy got medical help. Well, thank goodness, right? That was he didn't know because that could have been yeah. my patient that I described to you my mm -hmm. employee who yeah. basically stumbled into the ER and doesn't even remember that was his scenario didn't yeah. even didn't even go check so uh, it was a new diagnosis and just kept getting sicker and sicker yeah so tell us about um, MMA's got a new kind of like data optimization tool yeah. 360 wellness 360 workers health 360 workers health 360 yes so MMA has been working on this solution for over four years. Actually, we just launched it uh, this past spring. And I am so excited because for me personally, this is a full circle moment. Uh, you know, back in that role when we were working with folks, I would see people coming through the door and they'd be saying or calling me on the phone and saying, oh my gosh, I've got, I have to go out and I'm getting my knee replaced or I need to, I'm having some difficulty at work. I know I need to seek some therapy. What do I do? What are my options? My doctor's telling me maybe I need to go out on disability. We'd have those conversations. That person would come back a year later. Now all of a sudden we see some injuries. I know that they have multiple uh, chronic conditions. Um, are, they, are they sick? Are they getting the care that they need to treat those to reduce the risk in the workplace? So I was always seeing these onesie twosies coming through and I could never put my finger on what, what does it look like on an aggregate. I see these one-off cases, but how many more of these? And I think one of my favorite, favorite stories to share is that I had a, an employee who came uh, to us and by the time he reached me, he had gone through several nurses and worked with them. He had work, eight workers' comp claims in over two years. Um, now that was, that's a lot, right? So, but he was always very compliant, mm -hmm. a great guy to work with, um, always went and got the care that he needed. And this is where the flags weren't really coming up. He never went out on leave. He was always staying at work. And he was always telling me and all the other nurses he needed to be at work so that he couldn't afford to have that reduced compensation, right? right? Workers' comp pays yeah, a percentage yeah. of your salary. So as I was working with him, he happened to send me paperwork from his physician that was also going to the carrier that was managing the work comp claims. And I saw that his body mass index, BMI, was 35, which oh, means he was overweight. Mm -hmm. Now this person's job was essentially putting a 100 pound cable over his shoulder, climbing up a 10 foot ladder and crawling through a tunnel every single day. So no wonder he was having all those comp claims. And as I, my, my conversation had to change with him and I had to start saying, okay, I knew I had to ask the right questions, which is when was the last time that you were at a doctor? When did you go and have your physical? And he said, oh my gosh, Nurse Kate, I haven't been since I've started here at this job. And that was four years. So now I'm putting the pieces together that here's somebody who, from my health plan data, he's popping up and my consultants have been telling us, hey, you've got a certain percentage of folks who are what we call a zero dollar claimant. They have zero touch points with their physician. Mm -hmm. Meaning no physical, right, nothing, yeah. right. There's yeah, nothing no coming through the claims because they're not taking any activity to be preventative in their own care. So I, I now, of course, I'm saying, how many more of them exist? And so I wanted as my goal, I actually put this on my professional development plan about 
12 years ago now, but I said, I am going to work with my consultants. I'm going to work with our carriers. I want somebody to build a solution where we can pull all this data in and we can sort it by employee to understand what that true impact of that health is. Because I was getting reports from workers comp and seeing 250 individuals being injured. Okay, my first question as a nurse is, how healthy are these employees? And nobody could tell me. Although I might be having one-off conversations and the nurse case manager for workers' comp is saying, well, you know, they do have chronic conditions, they have diabetes. So that's the reason why they need to go out on a leave rather than staying in, even though it's just minor injury and getting sutures or stitches. So this person, because they have it was on their ankle, they needed to go out and be taken out of work. So that information could have fed into a larger conversation, which is exactly where we are today. And that's what Marsha McLennan has built. And we are taking in all the data from the health plan, medical, pharmacy, disability, leave, workers' compensation, putting that all in to then sort it by employee so that we can start to understand what that impact is for those uh, employees who are being injured, whether they're going out on disability, how much chronic conditions are actually impacting that leave of absence compared to those people who maybe don't have chronic conditions mm -hmm. and going out for similar type of surgeries or absences. It's funny, like when you work with smaller mid-sized companies, there's not a lot of leave, especially like with white collar remote jobs. There's just, but when you're in manufacturing and logistics and healthcare, yeah. I mean, it, like leave management is a giant piece of the I mean, HR the program. amount of like people, I worked in retail for so many years, but a company of 80,000, so it was big and each location had hundreds and hundreds. I mean, I had people on leave all the time. And then I did one today. I'm like, gosh, I haven't processed a leave for anything in several years, you know, and I just thought of the amount of leaves. That's so funny because I'm doing that right. It's just, too. yeah, I mean, we, yeah, it just doesn't happen doesn't as happen often. Um, but I can see this tool being super, super helpful for yeah. logistics companies. So if you're doing trucking or you're sitting a lot, you're standing a lot, you push, pull, um, lean over, bend, manufacturing, manufacturing, construction, yeah, construction. All of those jobs that have a lot of manual. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's those are the jobs that are typically the industry where we're going to see the highest results. Yeah. From that information, we yeah. had. I mean, I remember a situation at Nordstrom. Um, we were getting. I mean, we had a pretty centralized team that did our risk management, so they processed the claims. So that team, they kind of tracked it all corporately, right? But we had, you know, 120 full price locations, 200 and some off price locations. So a lot of different locations when employees were going out. So we had all the alterations teams. You know, the average age of our alterations employee was probably 70. You know, there was a very veteran team of individuals in every location but all of a sudden like we hit this year and it just was like all these rotator cuff like because the steam the ones that did the pressing that's all they did all day yeah, the presser the presser was yeah. like this all day like, up and down yeah so it was yeah, the yeah. sewer because they were different positions so it was the sewer presser position it's like Finally, someone in risk kind of pulled it all together and just happened to get more and more of these. Yeah, we ended up ordering all different machines. You know, we started replacing machines so it was a little bit better. I mean, but it's just if that person in risk hadn't kind of tied all those different claims together and we didn't have regional saying, 
hey, I got another employee in another location that's going out on leave. And these were long leaves and long recovery times for that specific injury. And that's exactly... And hard to replace jobs. Very, right? Very specific <laughs> yes, skill set. Yes, very specific yeah. skill set. Yeah. Yeah. Pumping right. those out. That's right. Yeah. And I, that's exactly what we plan on doing. Exactly. Because think about, especially in HR, right? As you're sitting there in HR. Now, I was a very unique uh, skill set in our team, right? Because we saw all employees and we covered both the leave as well as disability and workers' compensation. So we did see it all. Um, but most often in a lot of companies, they basically do not see the risk management side of the house. Right. And that's conversations that we have. When we're sitting with our clients, we're asking them, you know, what's going on with risk management? Who's that person? Do we have the right people at the table? Because that conversation is so incredibly important for people to understand, certainly C-suite, and we're seeing a lot more of the C-suite sitting at the table in these conversations that we're having because healthcare is expensive, very expensive. We have people who are living longer, working longer, um, they have a lot more complex uh, conditions. Certainly the obesity issue, people are getting you know, larger as well, and that brings a lot of health issues there. So when you're trying to piece all of this together, you often don't have the right people that are sitting at the table to really understand or contribute that part of the conversation. Yeah. And that's what we'll be able to do, is we're gonna have the business insurance side and the employee health and benefit side sitting at the table, HR, risk management, safety, those folks are going to be at that table to have the conversation so they can understand it. And it's, it's really exciting to see. This will save a lot on renewal costs because you're proactively identifying broad stroke problems and then going and providing these employees with resources to go get well. And so then, I mean, because all those claims are what really jack up the renewal you know, prices, you're at double, di double digits um, if you got a lot of claims and a lot of sick people. So yeah, it's, it, that's why the CEOs are at the table, right? Because they want to, they don't want to see, they know they're going to get an increase, but if I could minimize my increase, that'd be great. And a lot, of, I used to have the question, I would bring solution that my employee health and benefits, you know, our consultants would say, you really need to put this in place. You've got a lot of diabetes. You've been watching it increase now for three years. We know that folks are, are type A personalities. They're not doing what they should be doing to manage their conditions. We need to put a vendor in place like a Lavongo or something that's going to help them manage their own conditions and it will help reduce some of that risk, hopefully some of that spend and improve your productivity. So when I would then turn around internally and go and talk with my CHRO saying, here's what we have, the first question that the C-suite always asked me was, well, would if you put this in place, can we show that it actually impacts your workers' compensation? And it made sense that it should. Right. Right, it was logical, but I couldn't prove it with yeah. the data, and that's what we can it wasn't do today. All tied together, yet. that's right. Yeah. So this is what's so exciting about this tool is that we can put. We do this today on the employee health and benefits side is we can put solutions in place and we can show that that cohort or that group that uh, could have used it but did not a certain solution, and those who did use it and what those healthcare costs are and compare them. So the actual they can have that conversation internally to see that there's a return on investment in that program. Mm -hmm. They've yeah. got healthier people, it's money worth spent, and that we're going to continue it, or is it not working, do we need to reassess 
and maybe consider a different type of strategy. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, I just, I think in general, I, I don't know. I mean, as a director for the amount of employees that they had, I really did not have any insight into the usage of healthcare. I mean, we, we didn't get a lot of that from a reporting, right? There were so many things to worry about, so many metrics. It just felt like at one point we had our own team that managed all the benefit service center, we called them. And then we, I think three years before I left, we outsourced it to a third party and it became even less a topic, you know, that it came to us. But I just don't remember ever getting even how many people are actually going in for we used to call it like the biometric screening. You could get $300 towards mm -hmm. your premium every yeah. year if you did like these couple of things, yeah, yeah. right? And that way at least people were going and getting their glucose tested every year and their cholesterol. But I'm like, I don't remember ever seeing a report of like how many people did that and how can we help promote it? And, yeah. yeah, the promotion. You know, and key. yeah, and we were such a trim team too. We didn't have a lot of time to go around checking up on people's benefits and their right. own health. But I just think that, you know, the amount of people that would be out on leave or injured and, you know, like we weren't taught, we weren't looking at it through that lens, yeah. right? And thinking like if we did these things, we would ensure our people are here, they feel good, they're ready to work, you know, like we just weren't tying it all together, I think. And that's really... That's how that tool is going to be... It, yeah. it is because as I work with clients, that's the conversation we're going to have is, first of all, those reports that we got, um, you have to know how to read them. You have to know what questions to ask. Um, how do they define engaged or enrolled? Um, because sometimes they'll take that certain vendors are, are going to do what's in their best interest, right? And, and be able to get out there and um, you know their product is is a good product they feel and they're going to stand behind it but the way they report it they want to you know shine the positive light on it mm -hmm. and I think the best thing to do is have that conversation about how it's being defined and let's take this information and then try to understand how we're going to uh, use that report and align it so that nomenclature is the same uh, because that was where I got I think came to a, a standstill at every point that I was trying to turn in and trying to prove what I knew mm -hmm. was happening out there because I did not have reporting that was describing things the same. They were all defined differently. Eligibility was not the same across all reports. Mm -hmm. um, the reporting period was different. Nomenclature was different. So that's why bringing it all into this one data warehouse that we use, have them integrate it, it's all going to have that alignment so that people can now start to understand exactly what that impact is across their entire dashboard. Right. I yeah. miss dashboards and data <laughs> and analytics. I work, we work with such like small businesses. Some of them, I mean, I have some that I work with that have, you know, specialized tools for their industry, but I miss having just this like data analytics system that I can like build yeah. things in. Yep. Well, let's yeah. look for ways to use this 360 tool. Um, okay, let's take a couple of minutes and talk about an audience rate and how about that? Yeah. Love it. Let's do it. What right. you got? All right. Um, well, a big, big topic uh, lately is, of course, working from home and just all the things go along with that, being forced to come back to the office with some regularity or whatever. Um, so here's one. Oh, it's kind of um, a little bit 
sad that they have to worry about this. Um, working from home with kids in the background. 25% of the roles being on meetings. My children are very used to me as I have been a remote sales rep for years. I now have a new employer and have not discussed this and have concerns if the kids are making noise in the background as I have pretty open floor plan and uh, well, they are there and noise travels. Do you think my employer will bring this up or have an issue working from home? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say if it's a concern and it's something like keeping this woman, and I know it's a woman because I read it, so it, you know, <laughs> up at night. I think I cut some of it out, and I remember the comment was made like, you know, my husband's never once worried about this with his. You know, it's like she feels the weight of that with her employer, yet he's working from home, and he doesn't feel that way. So I thought that was an interesting aspect, too. Um but I said, if she's worried about it and she thinks it's going to cause concern, then I would say get in front of it and yeah. maybe say, hey, I want this to be, you know, I want to make everyone aware. My kids are at home, but clearly she's concerned that there's going to be some pushback that her kids are at home. And my guess, because we hear it, is that, well, how can you focus if your kids are at home? How are you yeah. focused on work yeah. and blah, blah, blah. You know, we get all of that. And again, it sounds like our kids are used to it, but they are there and they're in the background. And you know, how do you feel about kids being home it's while fine. you're supposed to be working? I might have a different opinion. Yeah, I think it's really hard to do both well. You know, if you're really focused on caretaking and then also doing your job, I don't know. I I did it a lot, and I was a single mom, and it is hard. Because you felt like you weren't doing one well enough, You're and you need to, yeah, you needed to focus. Um, and so, what I thought was a good idea was to be upfront, tell people right away, like, "Hey, yeah. this is what's happening," you know. Because I think if you own it first, that's going to help. But then, certain times when I knew that I really couldn't focus on my kids, and I really needed to focus on this, I would get like a little babysitter. A Did day, like they have those drop-in centers. So maybe some people, maybe it's pro cost prohibitive, yeah. but it just made me less stressed. And then I did a better job and then I could clock out of work and then be a full-time mom again. Yeah, I, it probably depends on the age of the kids, right? I don't know that, yeah, if you had a baby that Babies is crying, and, like, yeah. you know, that that might so be more challenging than if you yeah. had oh a 12-year-old, right, yeah. who's doing their homework at the table on their own yeah. or you know so I don't know I try not to speak about anything around kids so I don't get black <laughs> as someone who doesn't have children myself um, exactly well I mean I'm of the opinion of like deal with it people can be productive they figure out how to they live their it. lives with children and show up to work and manage lots of different things and my question always goes back to, is the work getting done? How yeah, often is this coming exactly. in? If yeah. this is one time, I mean, she said 25% she's on calls. That's 25 out of that 100. Out. Yeah, she that it's out. like, okay, so one and a half to two hours of your day, you're on calls. Well, you got to get some regiment. It. You got to schedule those calls at the time where the baby's taking the nap. You know, I don't know. Or they're at school, right? Yeah. So you may have to structure your day differently. It may mean that you have to catch up for an hour before the kid. You got to catch up on your emails before the kids wake up, right? If you're super yeah. distracted. So I think you. you I, I think it's schedule you, it. You got to schedule it out. You got to make it work. Um, work sounds is like she's a pretty. Someone's paying you though. Right. So, so you got to get the work done. <laughs> you know, like I don't pay people for fun. Like I want you to work. 
I don't want you. Oh, to you're, you're the one that's like, how are you? <laughs> I'm not um. trying to be cutting hot dogs <laughs> while I'm on a Zoom with my boss. Well, listen, I have a little dog. She can be pretty distracting. Sometimes I just put her on my lap for Zoom calls. Yeah, no? but nobody, nobody cares. Nobody they, knows. She's pretty cute, so nobody depends. cares. I think the one thing that bothered me about the writing was, like, she hadn't talked to her. Yeah, I feel like you got you to gotta put it out yeah. there. And especially she said that she, it went well. Them. So just say, hey, this has gone great. This yeah. is what I'm right. used to. Yeah. I think you have to be up front. You have a work-from-home job. It's no longer COVID where everyone is working from home and the kids are at home as well. And there was a lot of empathy around yeah. that. We're not yeah. in that same environment. So it's time to transition back into the environment where people are used to the kids being at school. Mm -hmm. And people are sometimes in offices, sometimes not. So I think you got to be upfront about it. Yeah, you got to be upfront. Never want to be sneaky because then you feel guilty. Yeah, yeah. We already have mom guilt, so it's like we don't want to do it. We don't want to add to it. Yeah. Right? yeah, and it sounds like maybe that's what she's kind of feeling and a little you, bit if too. If it's cost prohibitive, switch with somebody else in the neighborhood. I mean, you guys, we that's, can, a, good idea. We're that's a good idea. That's we're a women. Good it's idea. like, hey, on Thursday at 9 to 11, I've got these meetings. I cannot be distracted. So. Yeah, or you, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like the husband's at Easy. home too, so you got to take the calls at opposite times and schedule differently. You need to reevaluate your relationship with your husband. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I hopefully he helps. It was always, I always did feel so guilty because I'm like, shh, you know, yeah, and it's, it's like, God, what a horrible mom I was. I was like, stop talking, you know, it's like, God almighty. So that's why it was like the drop-in daycare for two hours, come back. <laughs> All right, any closing thoughts, um, things that you want a small, mid-sized, and large businesses that might be listening right now to know about um, MMA and what you've got going on there? Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I think the uh, biggest value is that we have an absolutely phenomenal team model where we have nurses who work with our clients and we are led by a fantastic chief medical officer who is just right there alongside us. So we are constantly looking at research studies as nurses, certainly health management consultants, our population health specialists. So we tap into each other and work very closely. And then our third uh, prong or third leg of the stool is data analysts. And the three of us work very closely to understand what those clinical analytics are telling us what it says for their risk and spend for the future, and then what we, strategies we can put around that. So it's a great model. Lots of wonderful, wonderful people who are doing phenomenal work every day. Awesome. Well, we love getting guests like Kate in front of our audience, and I want to thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Um, and, you know, we are HR people, but we're not your HR people unless you call us. So make sure you reach out to Leith HR Group. Um, we're on all the socials. We've got funny TikToks out there, and we'd love to hear from you, leithhrgroup.com. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you hit subscribe. We'll see you next time.